welcome to the podcast panel show that wants to do the right thing in any situation. For example, if you need to kill a dog, where is the correct place to hit him? The answer is between his front legs. The wrong answer is at a christening. <laughs> I'm Danielle Ward, and with me trying to do the right thing today, on my right, the least angry man in Northern Ireland, it's Michael <laughs> Legg. <laughs> and with him, her name is an anagram of Ninja Celery, it's Jenny Eclair. Oh. <laughs> And on my left, a woman sleeping her way to the top very slowly and with poor technique. It's Margaret K. Smith. And with her, according to Wikipedia, he's a writer of popular stories in boys' magazines and died in 1915. It's John Fillmore. The importance of being right. The first round is the importance of being right, where I'll ask them something and they have to answer. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with these ideas? Michael and Jenny, uh, this is your scenario. Jenny, you and Michael have decided to raise money for charity because life poses no more challenges. Michael is on a sponsored 24-hour no ablutions and it's not going well. To cheer him up, you invite him along to your sponsored event, which you hope will meet his vegan approval. You're sitting in Regent's Park in a bathtub full of agave nectar, the low-GI honey substitute favoured by Gwyneth Paltrow. But, oh no, this angers the new killer bee display at London Zoo, and they break free and make a beeline towards you. But tell me, Jenny and Michael, according to wikihow.com, what is the right way to escape killer bees? (laughs) (laughs) Right, so we're being swarmed, Michael. Do we run and thrash? (laughs) I think we should just do that anyway. I can't answer that question because I just found out today that I don't know what a wasp is. It's it's actually really upsetting. I'm 43 and I always thought I knew what a wasp was. It's not that. There I was, minding my own business on Twitter, trying to organise a dead wasp beauty contest. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting people to send me pictures of dead wasps, which I was going to judge. And I kept saying, oh, these wasps are really beautiful. And then people go, no, it's not a wasp. What you've got there is a honeybee. And I go, what do you mean a honeybee? Is that a bee? No. I thought a bee was just a bit... You know a bumblebee? I didn't think a bumblebee was real. I thought a bumblebee... I thought... Because you know what? It's like calling a dog a puppy dog. I thought a, a bumblebee... Buzzy, buzzy bee. Yeah, like a moo cow. Yeah, a moo cow, yeah. Or a bite shark. <laughs> Have you ever been stung by a bee, Jenny? Uh, no, I haven't, but... Because uh, we've got one tonight for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing about bees is that uh, if they're the killer bees, they can actually kill you. That's can, the clues yeah. in the name. <laughs> and um, the fatter you are, actually, the more chance you have of surviving. So I think You're going to put on a lot of weight. The thing is to put on an obscene amount of weight. The other thing, bee suits are very good as a sort of, you know, when you're getting old and you want to wear a veil without uh, getting married. <laughs> Everyone looks good in a bee outfit. Everybody does. I think dressing up as a bee does seem like the obvious way. Well. And also, it works because t- t- stripes uh, make you look fat. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah stripes they do, actually. Oh, there you go. Mm. Question answered. Sorted. <laughs> would, you, would you kill a wasp? No. Ever. Even What do you mean, ever? <laughs> oh, if I had well, a gun pointed to my child's yeah, exactly. head, I would fuck it up. What about your head? Yeah. I, had, um, I overheard my three-year-old daughter playing vets the other day, and I noticed oh. that one of their... Uh, one of their... Clients? Is that the... Uh, patients. <laughs> patients. One of their patients was a bumblebee with a cold. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who do you think would win in a fight, a bee or a wasp, Michael and Jenny? The bee, because the wasp can't kill you. See, see, I would yeah. worry that I'd be cheering on for the wasp. <laughs> Come on, wasp! I think the wasp is a meaner creature. The wasp yeah. is meaner. They'll sting you for the fuck of it. Yeah. Bees will only sting you if they have to. Apart from killer bees that sting you for fun. fun. Yeah. Is that, is that a fact? <laughs> that they enjoy yeah. it? You still probably have more chance of being kicked to death by a donkey because... Not, not more... when you're in a swarm of killer bees. <laughs> Definitely start with a donkey. Load of killer bees. I think it's bees. true to say you're more likely to be kicked to death by a donkey than a bee. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they have got the six legs, so, you know, four free for the kicking. I'll make this easier. Um, can you escape the bees by jumping in water? It depends whether you can swim or not. I mean, the worst thing would be is if you were escaping the killer bee swarm and then you, you headed for water, you leapt in the water and then you, you couldn't swim. What an awful fate. <laughs> that was, you and then was... you were kicked to death by a donkey. And then... <laughs> um, this isn't just water, it's killer water. <laughs> so, Ben, what is the actual answer? The initial answer, point to Jenny for saying run away, but then a point off for saying thrashing your arms. No, so no-one gets any points. But the answers are avoid getting into water, because killer bees will wait until you come back up for air. Oh. Oh. With their little arms folded over their little furry chests. Uh, if bees do attack, don't stand still, run away quickly in a straight line. Most healthy people are capable of outrunning killer bees, as they are slow. Aerodynamically, oh, right, yeah. the bees should not be able to fly. Physics-wise, aerodynamics, the bees should not be allowed to fly. <laughs> Shouldn't be fucking legal. <laughs> bees go for the head and face, so cover them. My favourite fact is, don't swat at the bees, because apparently bees are attracted to movement and crushed bees emit a smell of bananas that will attract more bees. <laughs> Don't eat a banana either, no. I imagine. Stay away from bananas. Worst thing to do. So how many points do Jenny and Michael get? Nine. None. None. So close. One vowel. One vowel. <laughs> Margaret and John, here is your one. You're both bored with this namby-pamby life of uncertainty we call show business and decide to try your hand at real business. After completing an open university course in being a D-bag and watching every single episode of The Apprentice, you're ready to put on a polyester suit and hit the city. After handing out flyers, it's all you know how to do, you get an interview with Goldman Sachs. It's like a dream come true. They bloody love you. Then the interviewer brings up salary. But according to www.salarynegotiations.com, what is the right way to negotiate the best possible pay packet at a job interview. Well, is your boss a terrorist? <laughs> Possibly. Because <laughs> you're just not supposed to negotiate with... Hey! No, 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 I, no, I wasn't even supposed to be a joke. I'm just... Wow! A round of applause for an accidental joke. This is what I like. Have um, you ever had a proper job, John? Not a kind of career job, but I've had various horrible, you know, temping jobs. And the worst job I had was I worked for a big bank and my job, your temp job, just for two weeks over Christmas, and it was a night shift, and you had to go in, and it was in their check checking department. So along one wall, there were all these uh, racks and racks of long grey trays filled with checks. And at one end of the huge warehouse room we were all in, there was a machine that was checking these checks and making a huge noise as it did it. Too loud to listen to your headphones or anything, so there was nothing to do but do this job. And the job was to go and get a long tray of checks, put it on your desk, and riffle through them one by one all night, in case any of them were upside down. Oh, oh, my God. Almost oh my none God. of them were upside down. 
But if one was, the machine would stop, and then they'd track down which tray it came from, and you'd be in a huge amount of trouble. But you didn't negotiate. I did not negotiate anything. <laughs> like I didn't that, know you actually no. said riffle. I didn't know that. I was really excited. You enjoyed I've, <laughs> I've written that down. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> have you ever tried to negotiate a higher fee for a gig? No, that, I mean, I do have an agent. Do you know, well, my first agent was so bad that when I got my first radio job, they rang and said, uh, we'd like to book Margaret to play second customer uh, in a play. And she said, oh, is she getting paid? That's how, well, that's how well my, my agent negotiated My first agent died of a cocaine-induced heart attack. Wow. Yeah. wow. Rock and roll. Yeah, that's a proper agent. <laughs> on a brilliant uh, agent story once. My agent phoned me at 8.30 in the morning once. Not my agent that I have now, the other one. Um, <laughs> she phoned me 8.30 in the morning and said, Michael, have you ever heard of a television show called <laughs> The Daily Show? You know what, what, the American satirical comedy? Yes! It's an American satirical comedy show. No, I know, I just said that to you. <laughs> Do you like it? Yep, I like it. Right. Do you know the host of The Daily Show? <laughs> what, you mean John Stewart? Yes, his name is John Stewart. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll kill you. I will kill you. Actually, it's John Stewart. Now, do you like... John Stewart. And I, I'll be honest with you, I've just said I like The Daily Show. If I didn't like him, who takes up, I don't know, 98% of the program, <laughs> I'm not going to hang on for that 2% anymore. She goes, right, now, how would you like to be the host of the UK equivalent of The Daily Show? I went, well, I'd love it. She went, right, how do we make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I hung up. Ben, what, what's the answer? Uh, well, I don't think either of you are right. Um, oh. According to www.salarynegotiations.com, there are five key rules. Number one, postpone salary talk until they're serious. Number two, let them make the first move. That way you have a solid base to negotiate from. Number three, silence. When you hear the offer, say, hmm. <laughs> Silent. That's not what silent means. Say hmm, and then be silent for 30 seconds. Objection. This puts pressure on the employer to raise their offer. This move is called the flinch. That's what it says. Um, number four, give a research response, make a counteroffer, blah, blah, blah. Number five, clinch the deal and deal some more. It's an American website. And at the end of that round, the points go to Michael and Jenny. Hooray! <laughs> and if uh, we haven't had enough already, let's move on to some agony. Like putting on a shoe with razor blade insoles, this round is agony. In it, we, <laughs> we ask our panellists to adopt the Claire Rayner position and all out advice. Right, let's start with Michael. Is he, are you reading out first? Yes, I've got an agony aunt. Michael letter. has a letter. Dear agony aunt, I may have made a major blunder over my wife's birthday present. She's a luxury-loving sweetheart, and I usually buy her something really special. This year, I told her that I need to take her car away and I'll get it back on her birthday. She's really excited and it's clear that she thinks I'm buying her a new car. In fact, what I've done is to have new winter tyres put on. <laughs> My wife is rather impatient when she drives and some of the roads round where we live don't get gritted. It has cost me an arm and a leg to do this. I just want to keep her safe, but I'm beginning to think she's not going to be very impressed when she opens the garage door on her birthday. Help! 
I think the only way she, he's going to get out of this is when she opens the garage door, he's hanging from the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> With a ribbon round his neck. <laughs> <laughs> She sounds awful. She's yeah, this like this is... angry fan of luxury. This is... <laughs> this is... It's her birthday. <laughs> She's menopausal. There are certain grounds for divorce, things like buying bread bins and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 If, you buy, if, if a bloke buys a woman a bread bin, he deserves to have his head hacked off and put in the bread bin. Keep it fresh. <laughs> <laughs> John Finnemore, what would your advice be to... Uh, you're a man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that much is true. As one man to another, what would you advise? Um, could he sort of try and swing that he's replacing the car piece by piece, like a philosophical <laughs> experiment? Oh, that's very good. <laughs> like yeah. So if you think she won't like it, don't do it. Yeah. Get, get her something she might like. Oh, and then oh. the problem of her not liking the present will go away. You know, all women want is something with a bit of thought behind it. So all he needs to do, on the eve of the birthday, if you haven't got much time and no money left, and find out, or you remember who her favourite TV personality is, it's probably Martin Clunes. <laughs> um, and then you find someone who's got similar coloured hair to Martin Clunes and cut a lock of the fake mark and put that in a matchbox and then you've got a lock of Martin Clune's hair. Wow, you've gone out with a lot of stalkers. <laughs> I would get someone that had the same sort of fingers as Martin Clune. <laughs> Finger face. in a box. Yeah, the same face as Martin Clune. Yeah. But let's face it, he's not famous for his fingers or his hair, he's famous for his ears. He is. What you want is a, a pair of ears in a cigarette box. Yeah. And <laughs> um, the mantelpiece. That's pretty real sexy, love. yeah. Um, it is a bit like uh, you, you're sort of expecting a new girlfriend and you just get the same old one but with new tits. Is it like that? <laughs> I've got you and some winter good? tits. <laughs> what is a winter tyre? What the fuck is that? What's Where? a winter tyre? I'm sort of picturing them all white. Yeah. I think I don't drive. I don't. I know. like my tyres like I'm like my men, bald. <laughs> <laughs> More of them and a spare in the boot. <laughs> <laughs> a joke, a joke. The joke lessons are Ben. What is the actual answer? First thing the Agonaut said was, "We really should start taking tyre safety more seriously." <laughs> Uh, however, it certainly would be a miracle to pull this off as a luxury gift, so here's what to do. Buy some wrapping paper and decorations, spend a night in the garage wrapping and decorating each tyre, <laughs> write a special note to put on each tyre, things like, because your life means more to me than anything, or I'll never get tired of your love. Uh, place, this is, not me, place a bouquet or bottle of champagne on the bonnet, it may just work. It will not. <laughs> I think it will. I think you're rubbery. That would be good. <laughs> Great. Sounds racist. Yeah. We're going to have a we good year. Brilliant. Oh, no. If you've not been here before, if you've not listened before, this is the uh, moment where we get the panel to answer a problem that the audience has. Is Andy here? Andy, with, uh, who saw the lady on the tube? There he is. So Andy's problem is this. I saw a lady's vagina on the tube the other day. It's not really a problem anymore, but I worry that I didn't say anything to her. Should I have pointed it out so she didn't unwittingly show it to more people? Or was I right to keep quiet? Do you mean you saw the entire vagina? She was... 
sitting opposite me. She I'm had so no pants sorry about no, that. no pants at all. <laughs> Very short skirt, and her legs were so wide she was taking up the space of the seats either side of her. With her, with her massive yeah. vagina. Her no, you see, I can, vagina. I can relate to this because yeah. I, I, I was saying for earlier this time. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's not what you think. I saw a, a, there was a Scotsman on Westminster Bridge who was um, playing the bagpipes and he squatted down to get his money and he was a proper Scotsman, uh, which means I saw his scrotum graze oh. the pavement. <laughs> Do you know what happened to me the other, the other week? I was uh, walking my dog in the park, and this guy stopped me. Uh, to just go, excuse me, mate. And he, he, he's very terribly polite. He said, excuse me, um, do you know where um, the hospital is around here? And I went, oh, yeah, no, the hospital. It's down this path, and you come to a bridge on your left. You cross the bridge, and uh, the hospital's right in front of you. Ah, oh, cheers, thanks very much for that. Now, the whole, that's all very nice and polite. But he was pissing on some railings at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what's wrong with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got railing piss. <laughs> help me, I Maybe need help. he couldn't control his pissing. Yeah. I want, um, no, I want to, to get railing piss now. Back to, <laughs> back to Andy. When you, when you first said, I'm worried I should have said something, I thought you were thinking like it was an etiquette thing that you should have complimented. Yes. <laughs> John Finnamore, what advice would you give Andy? What would you have I, done? I, I think he did the right thing. I think basically if you're in a situation where your problem is, should I point out a stranger's vagina to her? <laughs> the answer are you yeah, always she safe for saying no, one. no, don't don't point at the stranger's vagina. She'll be she'll be fine. That's a good answer. Yeah. Would you do that you know when you do not want to look at something, like if there's a trailer and you don't want to see the spoilers, do you, would you do that? <laughs> oh, I think that would be worse than actually pointing it out. I think to block it out and to screw up your face in pain. Uh, it's good that you described what she did because otherwise that everyone listening to the podcast would be thinking, what did she do? <laughs> <laughs> and well, Andy, who gave the best advice, do you believe, in that situation? Probably John. Yep, points to John then. Sensible, sensible John. <laughs> now, usually at this point, I would give out the email address in case anybody in the internet land wants us to solve a problem of theirs, but we've only had one email in a year, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> Why did you put that in the script? <laughs> um, but instead, we are going to do something horrible now, Margaret. Will you read mm. the thing out? We're going to plug the Edinburgh shows. Wow, we're doing four gigs between 8th and 14th of August at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Guests TBC, that stands for To Be Confirmed. But we'll include Richard Herring, Bridget Christie, Susan Kalman and Michael Fassbender. Asterisk. All lineups are subject to change. Asterisk is doing it! For tickets and more info, go to comedy.co.uk. For tickets and more info, go to comedy.co.uk slash pfs hyphen dtrt. That's a very I have no interest in going to that show. (laughs) None. Oh, I think it's time for Ask the Expert. Yay! Now, our next round is Ask the Expert, where we uh, ask them to work out what the expert thinks is the right thing to do in a situation. So please welcome preventative policing officer. Is that right? Preventative... Especially an expert in preventative policing. (laughs) It's Stephen Colgan. So, uh, Stephen, what is preventative policing? Right, well, I should point out, I'm not a policeman anymore. I used to be. I did it it for 30 years. But preventative policing is all about 
instead of spending all your time running around catching the bad guys, it's um, doing things to make sure the bad guys can be bad guys in the first place. Abortion. In a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit like Minority Report then. Yeah, except, except I think most police forces are running on Windows 95, so um, <laughs> probably not, no. Actually, it's funny you should say about the abortion thing, because there was a story... <laughs> no, 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 no. Larry. There was a story, if you've ever read Freakonomics, the book, about how the number of drug dealers in one particular city, everyone was claiming success for having reduced drug dealing, and in fact it turned out to be a change in the abortion law 16 years previously that had actually made the difference, because a whole wow. generation of kids weren't born who would have gone into the drug wow. trade. So, panel, you are going to get a minute to question Stephen um, on anything you like to get to know him a little bit better, and then we'll put some scenarios to him, and you have to see what you think he would say the right thing to do is. So, uh, you got one minute from now. Come on. Have you ever been robbed yourself? No, I've been quite lucky in that respect. He's good. He knows. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> How do you know you're good? But what I mean is, like, you could protect your house completely, and yeah, never been robbed. But maybe no one wants to rob you. Maybe everything <laughs> in your house is shit. Yeah, take yeah. it as a criticism, yeah. It's an insult. Take everything yeah. but, as an insult. But that is absolutely true, and it's why maybe there isn't so much resource being thrown into preventative policing, because it's really hard to Because it, it's to about know. making things unattractive. <laughs> <laughs> it's also about, you know, it's dead easy to count the number of people you arrest and the number of people you, go, you take to court and the number of people who go through the judicial system. It's really hard to do something and then say, yep, we definitely prevented 15 burglaries. I mean, how do you measure? prevention. I bet Richard Dawkins could do it. <laughs> yeah. isn't, isn't there a lot of elements of disguise? You know, so... <laughs> Best theft story I ever heard is my friend Linda Robson bought a new bulldog and it shat all over the place. Just shat and shat and shat and shat. And she cleared it all up and she didn't want the shit in her bin because it was stinking to high heaven. And she, it was all in newspaper and stuff like that. And she had her Selfridges, you know, one of those big yellow Selfridges bags. And she was, she thought, fuck it, I'm going to put all this shit in this Selfridge bag and I'm going to cross the road and dump it in that skip. And as she crossed the road, a cyclist mugger came up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's and that's why you should always carry a bag of shits. <laughs> do, do you think it's more difficult to catch a burglar these days now that they uh, don't dress as formally as they used to? Because, <laughs> I mean, terrorism's so much harder now that they don't write bomb on bombs. <laughs> John, do you have, have a... Have to be terrible <laughs> yeah, no. Do you have a question for Stephen? Um, if you have to leave a key hidden outside your house or something, <laughs> where should you hide it? Oh, that's an interesting one. Under um, the ceramic tortoise. <laughs> yeah, Jenny's house, she's not there at the moment. <laughs> now we've gotten to know Stephen. This is uh, the scenario for him. The police have been getting a lot of complaints about a new local nightclub called Mirage and Taboo. Most of them are about the noise, though a few have been from people who don't understand the reference. The main problem is that people are drunk. They've been listening to loud music and they don't realise what time it is because clubbers notoriously hate watches. The usual police response would be to send down a load of vans and arrest people. But, according to Stephen, what is the right way to prevent the problem arising in the first place? Burn it down. <laughs> well, that would be preventative. No, the problem of noisy The clubbers. noisy clubbers coming out of the club at uh, two, three o'clock in the midnight. I don't know what time you leave a club these days. Half eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I once went to a nightclub and I got off with someone who looked like Tom York. Because he looked like Tom York. But then when you no, realise yeah. that Tom York's really unattractive. 
and then he told me that he'd um, recently been arrested for stealing some Elvis plates, so uh, the relationship didn't continue. Michael and Jenny... Who dumped someone for stealing Elvis plates? That's a What's brilliant thing plate? to do. You did just say Elvis plates, I could just make that up, right? What is an Elvis plate? <laughs> a plate with Elvis on it. There's a lot of them in is Nottingham. Is that such a thing that it's just got its, it's an Elvis plate? In Nottingham, yeah. We've got the side plates, the soup dishes, the Elvis plates, uh, the Costello basins. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Jenny, are you a clubbing fan? Um, I think we're getting off the subject, aren't we? We're supposed to be guessing what Stephen <laughs> Yeah, well, the... well, if <laughs> you've been in that situation, animation. you put yourself in the, in the perp's place, don't you? Um, <laughs> well, I, I sort of stopped going to clubs. I, I went to clubs when they were called discotheques. Um, they changed their name. <laughs> I don't know about this one. Um, well, what was the question again? <laughs> The question what was, do Steve... you think people should be allowed to have fun? <laughs> no! No, of course not. <laughs> I agree. Stephen, what is the actual answer? Yeah. The thing that we tried, is once we actually worked out that the problem was actually the noise when people came out, is we got the bouncers to give people lollipops. Oh, because you, oh, can't, wow. you can't shout when you've got a lollipop in your mouth. And, well, you can give it a go. Um, well, you can give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, uh, and, and we also tried bottles of water as well. That worked quite well. Um, it took most of the noise complaints away, so the club was able to carry on. So uh, here's the next scenario. Teenagers, eh? You can't get to adulthood without being one of these pricks first. <laughs> but it's so hard for them today with the cuts and no job prospects and that, so they choose to hang around the local underpass. Police have been getting complaints about these kids and everyone is too scared to use the tunnel. But what is the right way to solve this? Burn it. <laughs> Lollipops. Lollipops, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what it'll be. It'll be playing unfashionable music in the underpass. It'll be oh, brass bands or something like Oompa or Oompa or something like that. <laughs> you know, some army marching music or something classical. Or there's that sound that you can Very only... Yeah, that only yeah. teenagers can hear. Exactly. And yeah, around 30, you... No, it's true. It's, yes, no, 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 it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, there, there, there is a device called a mosquito, yeah. which they put up, and it, it, it gives out Michael sound... Michael would think it was a wasp. ...that but... most people... <laughs> <laughs> most people... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just remember what you said. Um, yeah, it's, it's a thing called a mosquito, and, and it gives out a sound at a frequency which most people over 25 can't hear. What? Because your hearing starts deteriorating <laughs> after 25. Um, yeah, there's some controversy over them because basically they affect anyone under 25. And it causes a particular problem with people who've got young babies because the babies start screaming. So we're not, not a great advocate of them, frankly. So. Brass bands, that's what you want. Uh, music gets used a lot, yeah. There is actually a top ten of classical music that's most offensive to young people. Um, <laughs> it does, it does What's number exist. one? Uh, it's something by Sousa. Which is a very brass bandy, yeah. Um, and country western's quite popular for clearing places away oh, as well. I'd be, so. I'd be down there. I love country <laughs> western. John Finnamore, have you ever been attacked in an underpass? <laughs> <laughs> Will you stop asking me that question, Daniel? Every time I see you. Uh, no, I've, I, I've neither attacked nor been attacked in an underpass or overpass. <laughs> that, is, that is the end of my anecdote. <laughs> what, uh, what's the answer, Stephen? Well, the thing we found to be the most effective without actually being the sonic weapon or, or anything like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or upsetting people who just don't like country and western, uh, was pink lighting. 
because pink lighting, apart from... It, it, it's got a quite a calming effect, but most notably, it makes all the blemishes on your skin show up really, really dark. So, so teenagers wouldn't gather in certain places because they just look like a gang of pizzas. You know, they just, they just didn't want to hang around. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. So what if, like me, you had perfect skin as a teenager? But very unpopular. You'd be all alone in the underpass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jenny got most points in that round. Round so. Well, Stephen, before you go, I believe you have a book to plug, don't you? Uh, indeed, yes. I've got a new book coming out soon. And, I'm, and this time, I'm do- I've had a couple out before, but this one I'm doing through crowdfunding uh, through unbound.co.uk, if anyone knows it. Uh, it's called Constable Colgan's Connectoscope, and it's all about the interconnectedness of stuff. So pledge now. And round applause for Stephen. Scores, producer Ben. Margaret and John have got two and a half, and uh, Michael and Jenny have got three. It's time for our final round. Um, in this round, I want the panellists to tell me what they think is the wrong thing to do in any situation. The wrongest person gets to touch my puppy. <laughs> <laughs> no. The round will end when producer Ben beeps his horn, so here goes. All the security cameras in Argos have broken. What is the wrong thing to do? I don't know, it would be an elaborate scam, it would be a long con, but could you replace all the catalogues with catalogues that are exactly the same, except all the codes are the same code, and it's for something like a massive porcelain wasp. (laughs) No matter what you put in, everyone is... These porcelain wasps, they're just flying off the shelves. That is a lot of effort. (laughs) See how many of those little pins you can fit up your arse? That makes it hard. No, that's at Banks. Okay. Michael, I'll mm. go to you first. Your mum wakes up from a coma and thinks you've won a Nobel Prize. She is proud. What is the wrong thing to do? <laughs> I tell her it's simply a fucking bronze Sony award. <laughs> you know that Michael's, Michael's parents really wanted to come over to England yeah. to watch him go into go the award ceremony. Oh. And, and actually, I've got another one on that. My mum has got a Nobel award. What? <laughs> what? Yes, yes. For what? Peace people in Northern Ireland, they won the Nobel Peace Prize and she's oh, part of it. The people wow. of Northern Ireland? Not the people of Northern Ireland, the peace people. Who would have thought the angriest man you know would come from the most peaceful woman? <laughs> With, how does... What? <laughs> It's not about my, it's, it's about the question. I don't understand how my mum has woke or Michael's mum has woken up from a coma <laughs> and has new information to give to me. Why is she telling me what's happened? She's I, always <laughs> liked you. She's a very likable like person. But what makes her think that she's oh, where am I? What year is this? You want to know about price. <laughs> I believe the doctor was whispering to her. <laughs> the coma the whisperer. Yes. What was the long con that the doctor was playing? <laughs> It was doing mild prank. (laughs) Fine. Someone gives you Prince Harry's mobile number. What is the wrong thing to do? Text him and go, I'm your mum, I'm alive! Oh, Oh. Oh, Michael. Yeah, or just text the words to Robbie Williams' angels. But on the hour, every hour. (laughs) You discover your girlfriend is actually your long-lost sister. What is the wrong thing to do? Tell her she's put on weight. (laughs) 
Is it to try and get a discount at the Barnes Wetland Centre? You can with siblings, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? To tell her afterwards. Oh. <laughs> tell her jury. She might know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the end of the show. <laughs> so, Ben, what are the scores? The scores are... Margaret and John have got four and a half. Michael and Jenny got five. Oh. I've touched Danielle's puppy, it's not all that. <laughs> so well done, Michael and Jenny! Thank you for listening to the show. Goodbye!